Chapter Eight of Lad a Dog by Albert Payson Terhune. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Greg Giordano. Chapter Eight The Gold Hat. The place was in the North Jersey hinterland, backed by miles of hill and forest, facing the lake that divided it from the village and the railroad and the other new-made smears which had been daubed upon Mother Nature's smiling face in the holy name of civilization. The lonely situation of the place made Lad's self-appointed guardianship of its acres no sinecure at all. The dread of his name spread far carried by hobo and by less harmless intruder ten miles to northward of the place among the mountains of this same north jersey hinterland a man named glur had bought a rambling old wilderness farm by dint of much money more zeal and most dearth of taste he had caused the wilderness to blossom like the fifth proposition of euclid he had turned bosky wildwood into chaste picnic grove plossinesses, lush meadows into sunken gardens, a roomy colonial farmstead into something between a feudal castle and a roadhouse. And, looking on his work, he had seen that it was good. This beautifier of the wilderness was a financial giantlet, who had lately chosen to amuse himself, after work hours, by what he called farming hence the purchase and renovation of the five hundred acre tract the building of model farms the acquisition of priceless livestock and the hiring of a battalion of skilled employees hence too his dearly loved and self-given title of wall street farmer his name i repeat was glure having established himself in the region the wall street farmer undertook most earnestly to reproduce the storybook glories of the life supposedly led by mid-victorian country gentlemen not only in respect to keeping open house and in alternately patronizing and bullying the peasantry but in filling his gun-room shelves with cups and other trophies won by his livestock to his open house few of the neighboring families came the local peasantry jersey mountaineers of revolutionary stock who had not the faintest idea they were peasantry and who indeed had never heard of the word alternately grinned and swore at the wall street farmer's treatment of them and mulcted him of huge sums for small services but glur's keenest disappointment a disappointment that crept gradually up toward the monomania point was the annoyingly continual emptiness of his trophy shelves when for instance he sent to the Patterson Livestock Show a score of his pricelessly imported Merino sheep, under his more pricelessly imported Scotch shepherd, Mr. McGillicuddy. The sheep came ambling back to Glur Towers Farm, bearing no worthier guerdon than a single third-prize yellow silk rosette and a commended ribbon. First and second prizes, as well as the challenge cup, had gone to flocks owned by vastly inferior folk small farmers who had no money wherewith to import the pick of the scottish moors farmers who had bred and developed their own sheep with no better aid than personal care and personal judgment at the hohokus fair too the country gentleman's imported holstein bull 
tenebrous had had to content himself with a measly red rosette in token of second prize while the silver cup went to a bull owned by an elderly north jerseyman of low manners who had bred his own entry and had bred the latter's ancestors for forty years back it was discouraging it was mystifying there actually seemed to be a vulgar conspiracy among the down-at-heel rural judges a conspiracy to boost second-rate stock and to turn a blind eye to the virtues of overpriced transatlantic importations it was the same in the poultry shows and in hog exhibits it was the same at the county fair horse trots at one of these trots the wall street farmer in person drove his nine thousand dollar english colt in a rangy hackensack gelding won all three heats in none of the three did glore's colt get within hailing distance of the wire before at least two other trotters had clattered under it glore's english headgroom was called on the carpet to explain why a colt that could do a neat two point one three in training was beaten out in a two point one seven trot the groom lost his temper and his place for he grunted in reply the colt was all there it was the driving did it the gun-room's glass shelves in time were gay with ribbon but only two of the three primary colors were represented there blue being conspicuously absent as for cups the burglar who should break into glore towers in search of such booty would find himself the worse off by a wageless night's work then it was that the wall street farmer had his inspiration which brings us by easy degrees to the hampton dog show even as the fiery cross among the highland crags once flashed signal of war so when the world war swirl sucked nation after nation into its eddy the red cross flamed from one end of america to the other as the common rallying point for those who for a time must do their fighting on the hither side of the gray seas the country bristled with a thousand money-getting functions of a thousand different kinds with one objective the red cross so it happened at last that north jersey was posted on state road and byway with flaring placards announcing a mammoth outdoor specialty dog show to be held under the auspices of the hampton branch of the american national red cross on labor day mr hamilcar q glore the announcement continued had kindly donated the use of his beautiful grounds for the event and had subscribed three hundred dollars towards its running expenses and prizes not only were the usual dog classes to be judged but an added interest was to be supplied by the awarding of no less than fifteen specialty trophies mr glore having offered his grounds and the initial three hundred dollars graciously turned over the details of the show to a committee whose duty it was to suggest popular specialties and to solicit money for the cups thus one morning an official letter was received at the place asking the master to enter all his available dogs for the show at one dollar apiece for each class and to contribute if he should so desire the sum of fifteen dollars besides for the purchase of a specialty cup the mistress was far more excited over the coming event than was the master and it was she who suggested the nature of the specialty for which the fifteen-dollar cup should be offered the next outgoing mail bore the master's check for a cup 
to be awarded to the oldest and best cared-for dog of any breed in the show it was like the mistress to think of that and to reward the dog owner whose pet's old age had been made happiest hers was destined to be the most popular specialty of the entire show the master at first was disposed to refuse the invitation to take any of his collies to hampton the dogs were for the most part out of coat the weather was warm at these amateur shows as at too many professional exhibits there was always danger of some sick dog spreading epidemic moreover the living-room trophy shelf at the place was already comfortably filled with cups won at similar contests then too the master had somehow acquired a most causeless and cordial dislike for the wall street farmer i believe i'll send an extra ten dollars he told the mistress and save the dogs a day of torment what do you think by way of answer the mistress sat down on the floor where lad was sprawled asleep she ran her fingers through his forest of ruff the great dog's brush pounded drowsily against the floor at the loved touch and he raised his head for further caress laddie's winter coat is coming in beautifully she said at last i don't suppose there'll be another dog there with such a coat besides it's to be outdoors you see so he won't catch any sickness if it were a four-day show if it were anything longer than a one-day show he shouldn't go a step but you see i'd be right there with him all the time and i'd take him into the ring myself as i did at madison square garden and he won't be unhappy or lonely or or anything and i always love to have people see how splendid he is and those specialty trophies are pretty sometimes so so we'll do just whatever you say about it which naturally settled the matter once and for all when a printed copy of the specialty lists arrived a week later the mistress and the master scanned eagerly its pages there were cups offered for the best tricolor collie for the best mother and litter for the collie with the finest under and outer coat for the best collie exhibited by a woman for the collie whose get had won most prizes in other shows at the very bottom of the section and in type six points larger than any other announcement on the whole schedule were the words presented by the honorable hugh lester maury of new york city eighteen carat gold specialty cup for collies conditions announced later a gold cup sighed the mistress yielding to delusions of grandeur a gold cup i never heard of such a thing at a dog show and and won't it look perfectly gorgeous in the very centre of our trophy shelf there with the other cups radiating from it on each side and hold on laughed the master trying to mask his own thrill man fashion by wet blanketing his wife's enthusiasm hold on we haven't got it yet i'll enter lad for it of course but so will every other collie owner who reads that besides even if lad should win it we'd have to buy a microscope to see the thing it will probably be about half the size of a thimble gold cups cost gold money you know and i don't suppose this honorable hugh lester maury of new york city is squandering more than ten or fifteen dollars at most on a country dog show even for the red cross i suppose he's some wall street chum that glore has wheedled into giving a specialty he's a novelty to me i never heard of him before did you 
no admitted the mistress but i feel i'm beginning to love him oh laddie she confided to the dog i'm going to give you a bath and nap the soap every day till then and brush you two hours every morning and feed you on liver and conditions announced later quoted the master studying the big type offer once more i wonder what that means of course in a specialty show anything goes but i don't care what the conditions are interrupted the mistress refusing to be disheartened lad can come up to them why there isn't a greater dog in america than lad and you know it i know it assented the pessimistic master but will the judge you might tell him so lad will tell him promised the mistress don't worry on labor day morning a thousand cars from a radius of fifty miles were converging upon the much advertised village of hampton whence by climbing a tortuous first speed hill they presently chugged into the still more advertised estate of hamilcar q glor wall street farmer there the sylvan stillness was shattered by barks in every key from pekingese falsetto to st bernard bass thunder an open stretch of shaded sward backed by a stable that looked more like a dissolute cathedral had been given over to ten double rows of benches for the anchorage of the show's three hundred exhibits above the central show ring a banner was strung between two treetops it bore a blazing red cross at either end in its centre was the legend welcome to glor towers the wall street farmer as i have hinted was a man of much taste of a sort lad had enjoyed the ten-mile spin through the cool morning air in the tonneau of the place's only car albeit the course of baths and combings of the past week had long since made him morbidly aware that a detested dog show was somewhere at hand now even before the car entered the fearsome feudal gateway of glor towers the collie's ears and nose told him the hour of ordeal was at hand his zest in the ride vanished he looked reproachfully at the mistress and tried to bury his head under her circling arm lad loathed dog shows as does every dog of high-strung nerves and higher intelligence the mistress after one experience had refrained from breaking his heart by taking him to those horrors known as two or more day shows but as she herself took such childish delight in the local one-day contests she had schooled herself to believe lad must enjoy them too lad as a matter of fact preferred these milder ordeals merely as a man might prefer one day of jail or toothache to two or more days of the same misery but even as he knew many lesser things he knew the adored mistress and master reveled in such atrocities as dog shows and that he for some reason was part of his two gods pleasure in them therefore he made the best of the nuisance which led his owners to a certainty that he had grown to like it parking the car the mistress and master led the unhappy dog to the clerk's desk received his number tag and card and were shown where to bench him they made lad as nearly comfortable as possible on a straw-littered raised stall between a supercilious merle and a fluffily disconsolate sable and white six-month puppy that howled ceaselessly in an agony of fright the master paused for a moment in his quest of water for lad 
and stared open-mouthed at the merle good lord he mumbled touching the mistress's arm and pointing to the gray dog that's the most magnificent collie i ever set eyes on it's farewell to poor old laddie's hopes if he is in any of the same classes with that marvel say good-bye right now to your hopes of the gold cup and to winners in the regular collie division i won't say good-bye to it refused the mistress i won't do anything of the sort lad's every bit as beautiful as that dog every single bit but not from the show judge's view said the master this merle's a gem where in blazes did he drop from i wonder these no-point out-of-town specialty shows don't attract the stars of the kennel club circuits yet this is as perfect a dog as ever gray mist was it's a pleasure to see such an animal or he corrected himself it would be if he wasn't pitted against dear old lad i'd rather be kicked than take lad to a show to be beaten not for my sake or even for yours but for his lad will be sure to know he knows everything laddie old friend i'm sorry dead sorry he stooped down and patted lad's satin head both master and mistress had always carried their fondness for lad to an extent that perhaps was absurd certainly absurd to the man or woman who has never owned such a super dog as lad as not one man or woman in a thousand has together the mistress and the master made their way along the collie section trying to be interested in the line of barking or yelling entries twenty-one collies in all summed up the master as they reached the end some quality dogs among them too but not one of the lot except the merle that i be afraid to have lad judged against the merles are waterloo lad is due for his first defeat well it'll be a fair one that's one comfort it doesn't comfort me in the very least returned the mistress adding look there is the trophy table let's go over perhaps the gold cup is there if it isn't too precious to leave out in the open the gold cup was there it was plainly or rather flamingly visible indeed it smote the eye from afar it made the surrounding array of pretty silver cups and engraved medals look tawdrily insignificant its presence had already drawn a goodly number of admirers folk at whom the guardian village constable behind the table stared with sour distrust the gold cup was a huge bowl of unchaste metal its softly glowing surface marred only by the script words maury specialty gold cup awarded to blank there could be no shadow of doubt as to the genuineness of the claim that the trophy was of eighteen carat gold its value spoke for itself the vessel was like a half melon in contour and was supported by four severely plain claws its rim flared outward in a wide curve it's it's all the world like an inverted derby hat exclaimed the mistress after one long dumb look at it and it's every bit as big as a derby hat did you ever see anything so ugly and so crocusful why it must have cost it must have cost just sixteen hundred dollars ma'am supplemented the constable beginning to take pride in his office of guardian to such a treasure sixteen hundred dollars flat i heard mr glore saying so myself don't go handling it please handling it 
repeated the mistress i'd as soon think of handling the national debt the superintendent of the show strolled up and greeted the mistress and the master the latter scarce heard the neighborly greeting he was scowling at the precious trophy as at a personal foe i see you ventured lad for the gold cup said the superintendent sixteen collies in all are entered for it the conditions for the gold cup contest weren't printed till too late to mail them so i'm handing out the slips this morning mr glore took charge of their printing they didn't get here from the shop till half an hour ago and i don't mind telling you they're causing a lot of kicks here's one of the copies look it over and see what lad's up against who's the honorable hugh lester maury of new york suddenly demanded the master rousing himself from his glum inspection of the cup i mean the man who donated that that gold hat gold hat echoed the superintendent with a chuckle of joy gold hat now you say so i can't make it look like anything else a derby upside down with four who's maury insisted the master he's the original man of mystery returned the superintendent dropping his voice to exclude the constable i wanted to get in touch with him about the delayed set of conditions i looked him up that is i tried to he is advertised in the premium list as a new yorker you'll remember that but his name isn't in the new york city directory or in the new york city telephone book or in the suburban telephone book he can afford to give a sixteen hundred dollar cup for charity but it seems he isn't important enough to get his name in any directory funny isn't it i asked glore about him that's all the good it did me you don't mean began the mistress excitedly i don't mean anything the superintendent hurried to forestall her i'm paid to take charge of this show it's no affair of mine if if mr glore chooses to invent hugh lester maury and make him give a gold hat for a collie prize suggested the mistress but i didn't say so denied the superintendent and is none of my business anyhow here's but why should mr glore do such a thing asked the mistress in wonder i never heard of his shrinking coyly behind another name when he wanted to spend money i don't understand why he here is the condition list for the maury specialty cup interposed the superintendent with extreme irrelevance as he handed her a pink slip of paper glance over it the mistress took the slip and read aloud for the benefit of the master who was still glowering at the gold hat conditions of contest for hugh lester maury gold cup first no collie shall be eligible that has not already taken at least one blue ribbon at a licensed american or british kennel club show that single clause has barred out eleven of the sixteen entrants commented the superintendent you see most of the dogs at these local shows are pets and hardly any of them have been to madison square garden or to any of the other a k c shows the few that have been to them seldom got a blue lad did exclaimed the mistress joyfully he took two blues at the garden last year and then you remember it was so horrible for him there we broke the rules and brought him home without waiting for i know said the superintendent but read the rest second read the mistress each contestant must have a certified five-generation pedigree containing the names of at least ten champions 
Lad had twelve in his pedigree, she added, and it's certified. Two more entrants were killed out by that clause, remarked the superintendent, leaving only three out of the original sixteen. Now go ahead with the clause that puts poor old Lad and one other out of the running. I'm sorry. Third, the mistress read, her brows crinkling and her voice trailing as she proceeded. Each contestant must go successfully through the preliminary maneuvers prescribed by the Kirkcaldy Association Incorporated of Great Britain for its working sheepdog trials. But, she protested, Lad isn't a working sheepdog. Why, this is some kind of a joke. I never heard of such a thing, even in a specialty show. No, agreed the superintendent, nor anybody else. Naturally, Lad isn't a working sheepdog. There probably haven't been three working sheepdogs born within a hundred miles of here, and it's a mighty safe bet that no working sheepdog has ever taken a blue at an AKC show. A working dog is almost never a show dog. I know of only one other here or in England, and he's a freak, a miracle, so much so that he's famous all over the dog world. Do you mean champion Lokenvard Third? asked the mistress the dog the duke of hereford used to own that's the dog the only we read about him in the collie folio said the mistress his picture was there too he was sent to scotland when he was a puppy the folio said and trained to herd sheep before ever he was shown his owner was trying to induce other collie fanciers to make their dogs useful and not just show exhibits lochinvar is an international champion too isn't he the superintendent nodded if the duke of hereford lived in new jersey pursued the mistress trying to talk down her keen chagrin over lad's mishap lochinvar might have a chance to win a nice gold hat he has replied the superintendent he has every chance and the only chance who has queried the puzzled mistress champion lochinvar the third was the answer glure bought him by cable paid seven thousand dollars for him that eclipses Untermeyer's record price of 6500 for old Squire of Titan. The dog arrived last week. He's here, a big blue Merle. You ought to look him over. He's a wonder. He— Oh! exploded the mistress. You can't mean it. You can't. Why, it's the most— the most hideously unsportsmanlike thing I ever heard of in my life. Do you mean to tell me Mr. Glore put up the $1,600 cup? then sent for the only dog that could fulfill the trophy's conditions it's unbelievable it's glore tersely replied the superintendent which perhaps comes to the same thing yes spoke up the master harshly entering the talk for the first time and tearing his disgusted attention from the gold hat yes it's glore and it's unbelievable and it's worse than either of those if anything can be don't you see the full rottenness of it all half the world is starving or sick or wounded the other half is working its fingers off to help the red cross make europe a little less like hell and when every cent counts in the work this this wall street farmer spends sixteen hundred precious dollars to buy himself a gold hat and he does it under the auspices of the red cross in the holy name of charity the unsportsmanlikeness of it is nothing to that it's it's an unpardonable sin and I don't want to endorse it by staying here. Let's get Lad and go home. I wish to heaven we could, flamed the mistress, as angry as he. 
I'd do it in a minute if we were able to. I feel we're insulting loyal old lad by making him a party to it all. But we can't go, don't you see? Mr. Glore is unsportsmanlike, but that's no reason we should be. You've told me, again and again, that no true sportsman will back out of a contest just because he finds he has no chance of winning it. She's right, chimed in the superintendent. You've entered the dog for the contest, and by all the rules will have to stay in. Lad doesn't know the first thing about working. Neither does the only other local entrant that the first two rules have left in the competition. And Lochinvar is perfect at every detail of sheep work. Lad and the other can't do anything but swell his victory. It's rank bad luck, but... All right, all right, growled the master. We'll go through with it. Does anyone know the terms of a Kirkcaldy Association's preliminaries for working sheepdog trials? My own early education was neglected. Glore's education wasn't, said the superintendent. He has the full set of rules in his brand new sportsman's library. That's no doubt where he got the idea. I went to him for them this morning, and he let me copy the laws governing the preliminaries. They're absurdly simple for a working dog, and absurdly impossible for a non-worker. Here, I'll read them over to you. He fished out a folded sheet of paper and read aloud a few lines of pencil scribblings. Four posts shall be set up at ninety yards apart, at the corners of a square enclosure. A fifth post shall be set in the center. At this fifth post the owner or handler of the contestant shall stand with his dog, nor shall such owner or handler have more than three feet from the post until his dog shall have completed the trial. Guided only by voice and by signs, the dog shall go alone from the center post to the post numbered one. He shall go thence in the order named to posts two three and four without returning to within fifteen feet of the central post until he shall have reached post four speed and form shall count as seventy points in these evolutions thirty points shall be added to the score of the dog or dogs which shall make the prescribed tour of the posts directed wholly by signs and without the guidance of voice there finished the superintendent you see it is as simple as a kindergarten game but a child who had never been taught could not play puss in the corner i was talking to the english trainer that glore brought along with the dog the trainer tells me lochinvar can go through those maneuvers and a hundred harder ones without a word being spoken he works entirely by gestures he watches the trainer's hand where the hand points he goes a snap of the fingers halts him then he looks back for the next gesture the trainer says it's a delight to watch him the delight is all his, grumbled the master. Poor, poor lad. He'll get bewildered and unhappy. He'll want to do whatever we tell him to, but he can't understand. It was different the time he rounded up Glore's flock of sheep, but when he'd never seen a sheep before. That was ancestral instinct, a throwback. But ancestral instinct won't teach him to go to post one and two and three and four. He hello people boomed a jarringly cordial voice welcome to the towers bearing down upon the trio was a large person round and yellow of face and clad elaborately in a morning costume that suggested a stud groom with ministerial tendencies he was dressed for the occasion mr glore was always dressed for the occasion hello people repeated the wall street farmer alternately pump handling the totally unresponsive mistress and master I see you've been admiring the Maury Trophy. Magnificent, eh? 
oh maury's a prince i tell you a prince a bit eccentric perhaps as you'll have guessed by the conditions he's put up for the cup but a prince a prince we think everything of him on the street have you seen my new dog oh you must go and take a look at lochinvar i'm entering him for the maury trophy you know yes assented the master dully as mr glur paused to breathe i know he left his exultant host with some abruptness and piloted the mistress back to the collie section there they came upon a scene of dire wrath disgruntled owners were loudly denouncing the maury conditions list and they redoubled their plaint at sight of the two new victims of the trick folk who had bathed and brushed and burnished their pets for days in eager anticipation of a neighborhood contest gargled in positive hatred at the glorious merle they read the pink slips over and over with more rage at each perusal one pretty girl had sat down on the edge of a bench gathering her beloved gold and white collie's head in her lap and was crying unashamed the master glanced at her then he swore softly and set to work helping the mistress in the task of fluffing lad's glossy coat to a final soft shagginess neither of them spoke there was nothing to say but lad realized more keenly than could a human that both his gods were wretchedly unhappy and his great heart yearned pathetically to comfort them there's one consolation said a woman at work on a dog in the opposite bench lochinvar is not entered for anything except the maury cup the clerk told me so little good that will do any of us retorted her bench neighbor in an all-specialty show the winner of the maury trophy will go up for the winner's class and that means lochinvar will get the cup for the best collie as well as the maury cup and probably the cup for best dog of any breed too and the maury cup is the first collie event on the program lamented the other it's slated to be called before even the puppy and the novice classes mr glore has contestants for the maury trophy all out bawled an attendant at the end of the section the master unclasped the chain from lad's collar snapped the light show-ring leash in its place and handed the leash to the mistress unless you'd rather have me take him in he whispered i hate to think of your handling a loser i'd rather take lad to defeat than any other dog to a gold hat she answered sturdily come along laddie the maury contest naturally could not be decided in the regular show-ring mr glore had thoughtfully set aside a quadrangle of greensward for the event a quadrangle bounded by four white and numbered posts and bearing a larger white post in its centre a throng of people were already banked deep on all four sides of the enclosure when the mistress arrived the collie judge standing by the central post declaimed loudly the conditions of the contest then he asked for the first entrant this courtier of failure chanced to be the only other local dog besides lad that had survived the first two clauses of the conditions he chanced also to be the dog over which the pretty girl had been crying the girl's eyes were still red through a haze of powder as she led her slender little gold and snow collie into the ring she had put on a filmy white muslin dress with gold ribbons that morning with the idea of matching her dog's coloring she looked very sweet and dainty and heart sore at the central post she glanced up hopelessly at the judge who stood beside her the judge indicated post number one with a nod the girl blinked at the distant post then at her collie after which she pointed to the post 
run on over there mac she pleaded that's a good boy the little collie wagged his tail peered expectantly at her and barked but he did not stir he had not the faintest idea what she wanted him to do although he would have been glad to do it wherefore the bark presently after several more fruitless entreaties which reduced the dog to a paroxysm of barking she led her collie out of the enclosure strangling her sobs as she went and again the master swore softly but with much venomous ardor and now at the judge's command the mistress led lad into the quadrangle and up to the central post she was very pale but her thoroughbred nerves were rock-like in their steadiness she like lad was of the breed that goes down fighting lad walked majestically beside her his eyes dark with sorrow over his goddess's unhappiness which he could not at all understand and which he so longed to lighten hitherto at dog shows lad had been only the representative of the place to grieve he thrust his nose lovingly into the mistress's hand as he moved along with her to the post and he whined under his breath ranging up beside the judge the mistress took off lad's leash and collar stroking the dog's upraised head she pointed to the number one post over there she bade him lad looked in momentary doubt at her and then at the post he did not see the connection nor know what he was expected to do so again he looked at the sorrowing face bent over him lad said the mistress gently pointing once more to the post go now there was not one dog at the place that had not known from puppyhood the meaning of the word go coupled with the pointing of a finger fingers had pointed hundreds of times to kennels or to the open doorways or to canoe bottoms or to car canals, or to whatsoever spot the dog in question was desired to betake itself and the word go had always accompanied the motion lad still did not see why he was to go where the steady finger indicated there was nothing of interest over there no one to attack at command but he went he walked for perhaps fifty feet then he turned and looked back go on called the voice that was his loved law and he went on unquestionably as uncomprehendingly he went because the mistress told him to since she had brought him out before this annoying concourse of humans to show off his obedience all he could do was to obey the knowledge of her mysterious sadness made him the more anxious to please her so on he went presently as his progress brought him alongside a white post he heard the mistress call again he wheeled and started toward her at a run then he halted again almost in mid-air for her hand was up in front of her palm forward in a gesture that had meant stop from the time he had been wont to run into the house with muddy feet as a puppy lad stood uncertain and now the mistress was pointing another way and calling go on lad go on confused the dog started in the new direction he went slowly once or twice he stopped and looked back in perplexity at her but as often came the steady voiced order go on lad go on on plodded lad vaguely he was beginning to hate this new game played without known rules and in the presence of a crowd lad abominated a crowd but it was the mistress's bidding and in her dear voice his quick hearing could read what no human could read a hard-fought longing to cry it thrilled the big dog this subtle note of grief and all he could do to ease her sorrow apparently was to obey this queer new whim of hers as best he might 
he had continued his unwilling march as far as another post when the welcome word of recall came the recall that would bring him close again to his sorrowing deity with a bound he started back to her but for the second time came that palm forward gesture and the cry of stop go back lad paused reluctantly and stood panting this thing was getting on his fine strung nerves and nervousness ever made him pant the mistress pointed in still another direction and she was calling almost beseechingly go on lad go on her pointing hand waved him ahead and as before he followed his guidance walking heavily his brain more and more befogged lad obeyed this time he did not stop to look to her for instructions from the new vehemence of the mistress's gesture she had apparently been ordering him off the field in disgrace as he had seen puppies ordered from the house head and tail down he went but as he passed by the third of those silly posts she recalled him gleeful to know he was no longer in disgrace he galloped toward the mistress only to be halted again by that sharp gesture and sharper command before he had covered a fifth of the distance from the post to herself the mistress was actually pointing again more urgently than ever and in still another direction now her voice had in it a quiver that even the humans could detect a quiver that made its sweetness all but sharp go on lad go on utterly bewildered at his usually moodless mistress's crazy mood and spurred by the sharp reprimand in her voice lad moved away at a crestfallen walk four times he stopped and looked back at her in piteous appeal asking forgiveness of the unknown fault for which she was ordering him away but always he was met by the same fierce go on and he went of a sudden from along the tight crowded edges of the quadrangle went up a prodigious hand-clapping punctuated by such foolish and ear-grating yells as good boy good old laddie he did it and through the looser volume of sound came the mistress's call of laddie here lad in doubt lad turned to face her hesitatingly he went toward her expecting at every step that hateful command of go back but she did not send him back instead she was running forward to meet him and out of her face the sorrow but not the desire to cry had been swept away by a tremulous smile down on her knees beside lad the mistress flung herself and gathered his head in her arms and told him what a splendid dear dog he was and how proud she was of him all lad had done was to obey orders as any dog of his brain and heart and home training might have obeyed them yet for some unexplained reason he had made the mistress wildly happy and that was enough for lad forgetful of the crowd he looked at her caressing hands in puppy-like ecstasy then he rolled in front of her growling ferociously and catching one of her little feet in his mighty jaws as though to crush it this foot-seizing game was lad's favorite romp with the mistress with no one else would he condescend to play it and the terrible white teeth never exerted the pressure of a tenth of an ounce on the slipper they gripped laddie the mistress was whispering to him laddie you did it old friend you did it terribly badly i suppose and of course we'll lose but we'll lose right we've made the contest you did it and now a lot of noisy and bothersome humans had invaded the quadrangle and wanted to paw him and pat him and praise him wherefore lad at once got to his feet and stood aloofly disdainful of everything and everybody 
he detested pawing and indeed any outsider's handling through the congratulating knot of folk the wall street farmer elbowed his way to the mistress well well he boomed i must compliment you on lad a really intelligent dog i was surprised i didn't think any dog could make the round unless he'd been trained to it quite a dog but of course you had to call to him a good many times and you were signaling pretty steadily every second those things count heavily against you you know in fact they goose-egg your chances if another entrant can get around without so much coaching now my dog lochinvar never needs the voice at all and he needs only one slight gesture for each manoeuvre still lad did very nicely he uh, why does the sulky brute pull away when i try to pat him perhaps ventured the mistress perhaps he didn't catch your name then she and the master led lad back to his bench where the local contingent made much of him and where after the manner of a high-bred dog at a show he drank much water and would eat nothing when the mistress went again to the quadrangle the crowd was banked thicker than ever for lochinvar the third was about to compete for the maury trophy the wall street farmer and the english trainer had delayed the event for several minutes while they went through a strenuous dispute as the mistress came up she heard glore and the argument by booming i tell you that's all rot why shouldn't he work for me just as well as he'd work for you i'm his master ain't i no sir replied the trainer glumly only his owner i've had him a whole week declared the wall street farmer and i've put him through those rounds a dozen times he knows me and he goes through it all like clockwork for me here give me his leash he snatched the leather cord from the protesting trainer and with a yank at it started with lochinvar toward the central post the aristocratic merle resented the uncalled-for tug by a flash of teeth then he thought better of the matter swelled his resentment and paced along beside his visibly proud owner a murmur of admiration went through the crowd at sight of lochinvar as he moved forward the dog was a joy to look on such a dog as one sees perhaps thrice in a lifetime such a dog for perfect beauty as were southport sample gray mist Halgill rival sunnybank goldsmith or squire of titan a dog for looks that was the despair of all competing dogdom proudly perfect in carriage in mist gray coat and a hundred points from the noble pale-eyed head to the long massy brush lochinvar the third made people catch their breath and stare even the mistress's heart went out though with a tinge of shame for disloyalty to lad at his beauty arrived at the central post the wall street farmer unsnapped the leash then one hand on the merle's head and the other holding a half-smoked cigar between two pudgy fingers he smiled upon the tense onlookers this was his moment this was the supreme moment which had cost him nearly ten thousand dollars in all he was due at last to win a trophy that would be the talk of all the sporting universe these country folk who had won lesser prizes from under his very nose how they would stare after this at his gun-room treasures ready mr glore asked the judge all ready graciously returned the wall street farmer taking a pull at his thick cigar and replacing it between the first two fingers of his right hand he pointed majestically with the same hand to the first post no word of command was given yet lochinvar moved off at a sweeping run directly in the line laid out by his owner's gesture as the merle came alongside the post 
the wall street farmer snapped his fingers instantly lochinvar dropped to a halt and stood moveless looking back for the next gesture this next gesture was wholly impromptu in snapping his fingers the wall street farmer had not taken sufficient account of the cigar stub he held the snapping motion had brought the fire end of the stub directly between his first and second fingers close to the palm the red coal bit deep into those two tenderest spots of all the hand with a reverberating snort the wall street farmer dropped the cigar butt and shook his anguished hand rapidly up and down in the first sting of pain the loose fingers slapped together like the strands of an obese cat of nine tails and this was the gesture which lochinvar beheld as he turned to catch the signal for his next move now the frantic st vitus shaking of the hand and arm accompanied by a clumsy step dance and a mouthful of rich oaths forms no signal known to the very cleverest of working collies neither does the inserting of two burned fingers into the signaller's mouth which was the second motion the merle noted ignorant as to the meaning of either of these unique signals the dog stood puzzled the wall street farmer recovered at once from his fit of babyish emotion and motioned his dog to go on to the next post the merle did not move here at last was a signal he understood perfectly well yet after the manner of the best taught working dogs he had been most rigidly trained from earliest days to finish the carrying out of one order before giving heed to another he had received the signal to go in one direction he had obeyed he then received the familiar signal to halt and to await instructions again he had obeyed next he had received a wildly emphatic series of signals whose meaning he could not read a long course of training told him he must wait to have those gestures explained to him before undertaking to obey the simple signal that had followed this in his training kennel had been the rule when a pupil did not understand an order he must stay where he was until he could be made to understand he must not dash away to carry out a later order that might perhaps be intended for some other pupil wherefore the merle stood stock still the wall street farmer repeated the gesture of pointing toward the next post inquiringly lochinvar watched him the wall street farmer made the gesture a third time to no purpose other than to deepen the dog's look of inquiry lochinvar was abiding steadfastly by his hard learned lessons of the scottish moorland days someone in the crowd tittered someone else sang out delightedly lad wins the wall street farmer heard and he proceeded to mislay his easily losable self-control again these inferior country folk seemed about to wrest from him a prize he had deemed all his own and to rejoice in the prospect you mongrel cur he bellowed get along there this diction meant nothing to lochinvar except that his owner's temper was gone and with it his scanty authority glor saw red or he came as near to seeing it as can any one outside a novel he made a plunge across the quadrangle seized the beautiful merle by the scruff of the neck and kicked him now here was something the dog could understand with entire ease this loud-mouthed vulgarian giant whom he had disliked from the first was daring to lay violent hands on him on champion lochinvar the third the dog aristocrat that had always been handled with deference and whose ugly temper had never been trained out of him as a growl of hot resentment went up from the onlookers a far more murderously resentful growl went up from the depths of lochinvar's furry throat in a flash the merle had wrenched free from his owner's neck grip 
and in practically the same moment his curved eye-teeth were burying themselves deep in the calf of the wall street farmer's leg then the trainer and the judge seized on the snarlingly floundering pair what the outraged trainer said as he ran up would have brought a blush to the cheek of a waterside bartender what the judge said what the judge said in a tone of no regret whatever was mr glore you have forfeited the match by moving more than three feet from the central post but your dog had already lost it by refusing to work at your command lad wins the maury trophy so it was that the gold hat as well as the modest little silver best collie cup went to the place that night setting the gold monstrosity on the trophy shelf the master surveyed it for a moment and said that gold hat is even bigger than it looks it is big enough to hold a thousand yards of surgical dressings and gallons of medicine and broth besides and that's what it's going to hold to-morrow i'll send it to vanderslice at the red cross headquarters good applauded the mistress oh good send it in lad's name i shall i'll tell vanderslice how it was won and i'll ask him to have it melted down to buy hospital supplies if that doesn't take off its curse of unsportsmanliness nothing will i'll get you something to take its place as a trophy but there was no need to redeem that promise a week later from headquarters came a tiny scarlet enamel cross whose silver back bore the inscription to sunnybank lad in memory of a generous gift to humanity its face value is probably fifty cents lad dear commented the mistress as she strung the bit of scarlet on the dog's shaggy throat but its heart value is at least a billion dollars besides you can wear it and nobody outside a nightmare could possibly have worn kind good mr hugh lester maury's gold hat i must write to mr glore and tell him all about it how tickled he'll be won't he laddie End of chapter eight recording by greg giordano